All right, back at it like a bad habit. Okay, maybe not a bad habit, but a good habit. <laughs> May all of our good habits cause us to be consistent and repetitive of Kedusha and sanctification and holiness and all the goodness and stuff. So I'm still in the sukkah, chilling for a couple more hours. Um, battery at 19%. Thank you. Um, have a new operating system now that I shall call Yom Hamishi. <laughs> Yom Hamishi is my favorite day of the week. So uh, fifth day for those of you who don't know. And that corresponds to Thursday. So if you've seen the Iron Man movies, you know he calls his suit, uh, his operating system anyway, Friday. He said, Friday, why don't you give us the lockdown protocol and the Avengers Endgame when they were getting ready to snap the gauntlet. And then Friday is who Pepper asked to give the status of whether or not Tony Stark was actually dead. But as we know in the Marvel movies, no one really dies anyway. So may that be so for Iron Man. Until then, who knows? But anyway, Shummerman's here. <laughs> That's just what we come to. Trying to have a little fun in the suka. I know I normally don't teach like this, but uh, you know, I just want to. The spirit of joy is just here. It's just good to have a platform to be able to let it out sometime. Now that we've established that, Yom Kamishi is letting me know I have 18% of battery now left. So stop talking and do some drasha. Kitzur Shulchan Aruch, Volume 1, Chapter 1, Simon 1, 1, 1, 1. We're going to learn about the laws of hand washing. Okay? Um, because there's this understanding, actually, that, uh, and this is going to be chapter two, Sleeka. Chapter two, Siman two, the laws of mourning Netilat Yadigim. So, you know the hand washing where we go three times, alternating right hand, left hand, right hand, left hand, right hand, left hand. And then we say the Braka, Baruch Atah Adonai Eloheinu Menachalam, Asher Kishanu Mimitatav Etivanu Al Netilat Yadigim. Which is blessed to you, Adonai, God, King of the universe, who sanctifies, sanctifies us with his commandments and has commanded to us to wash the hands, to clean the hands, or to take up holy hands. So, the only time you're actually called to do that bracha, according to Halakha, is when you're first doing it upon arising, so when you wake up in the morning, which the caveat to that is if you wake up and you really got to go potty, whether number one or number two, uh, real bad, you actually, you can wash your hands before or you just go straight to the bathroom if it's a super emergency. But you don't say the bracha. Because if you have to go to the restroom, you're not fulfilling the commandment to take up clean hands and pure hands if you have to go to the restroom. Because as we're going to read, the cleanliness that we're calling up on ourselves through this bracha, because that's what brachas are, you're calling down blessings on yourself. Calling down blessings on whatever you're blessing. So if you're going to bless your kiddush cup, you're calling down blessings upon the wine or the grape juice in your cup. So when you drink that, you are drinking blessings. Now, the idolaters understand this because all of the different uh, songs and seances and candles that they burn for all their rituals and what they sing and dance and do, 
they know that they're investing within themselves the spirit of those events. This is why we're told, don't be going to Xmas parties, don't be going to Halloween parties, don't be doing all the other uh, Yom Natovs <laughs> of uh, different um, idolatrous practices. Because any participation you have in them, you're bringing that into you. Because, likewise, in Judaism, whatever you're speaking as a bracha, whatever you're celebrating, namely sitting in the sukkah, all of that stuff is pouring into your soul. So yeah, anyway, that escalated quickly. But anyway, um, the halakha here from the shulchan is saying that if when you do the blessing for the netilat yadayim, the cleaning of the hands in the morning, that your insides need to be clean. So get rid of all of your bodily waste, you know, and then you wash your hands. And now you say Netilah Yadayim. So that's the first time you say the Bracha. The only other time you say Netilah Yadayim is before you're getting ready to eat bread. And I don't know if we're going to get to it, but the whole thing about washing before eating is connected to Teruma. So the priests... And the Levites, Levites that get the uh, the the offerings, uh, they would wash before they eat. It's uh, the a whole thing about receiving special uh, korbanot and offerings that they're to have clean hands before they partake of them. So that was symbolically extended to the rest of Israel to uh, practice like that because we are a nation of priests and kings. Shalom. So when we do that, um, that's a whole picture symbolically of us being like a priest. So that's why we have that. So we say the bracha only for those two times. Any other time you want to do Natilat Yadayim during the day, you do not say the bracha. You can if you want, but you're not obligated to do so. And not, not obligated to do so as a way of being lazy and just, I just want to wash my hands and not say a bracha. But literally as a functional way i'm recording you want to say hi hi <laughs> that is yahoshua ben halel get you some so um yeah chilling in the sukkah over here that's what we do but yeah so the only times you say netadayadayim is for the first time when you wake up and when you're gonna eat bread any other time you want to wash your hands throughout the day you just do the three washes over each hand and you do the lifting of the hands and then you're good to go so I found that very uh, intriguing because it's just like, so you mean to tell me I only need to say the the bracha for Netilat Yadigim when I first wake up and then when I eat bread, that's it? Any other time I wash my hands, I don't say it? Let me read about this. The ants are gone. They are? Mm -hmm. Yay! The ants are gone. We've been set free. <laughs> I know, I'm sorry. Anyway, we had an ant outbreak earlier, and so Yehoshua Ben Hillel over here is letting me know they gone. Don't test, don't test them though; they might come back. So. Oh yeah, they're living down there now. Okay, cool. Well, we'll let them. We'll let them be, because uh, we don't need no ants over here, no uncles either. Okay. So, I was just like, let me crack open this uh, Shulchan Aruch and look at this here. So here's what we got. It says the reasons for Netilat Yadayim. That's the first section. 
Then it says the procedure of mourning that Talat Yadim. That's section 3 through 7. Cases of doubt. That's section 8. Other activities that obligate Netilat Yadigin. I'm going to go straight to that one. Because I only know of two right now. Well, let's learn about the other one. It says, This seif contains a list of activities that render the hands unclean, and thus a person engaging in these activities must clean his hands before studying Torah or praying. In addition, most of these activities also cause a ruach ra a evil spirit or impure spirit to rest upon his hands and therefore they must be washed without delay or to remove it now I said something earlier that I don't think I concluded so I apologize I don't remember what that was and uh, we're just going to keep moving anyway just hit me that there was something I said I probably didn't conclude but I get so excited y'all probably already know by now after listening to copious amounts of my podcast I digress a lot, and sometimes I don't ever get back to what I digressed from. So, it says, and therefore, they must be washed without delay to remove it. it says, the Mishnah Berua for section 38, however, having a Ruach Ra on one's hands does not prohibit him from praying or studying Torah. So if you're like, oh my gosh, I want to study Torah, but worse than that, I can't do it. It's like, go ahead and pray. Go ahead and study Torah. It says, thus, one who does not have water, without which the Ruach Ra'ah will not be removed. Why do we need this water concept? Why do we need to immerse in water that removes impurity from us? So, Yochanan says, I immerse you in water. The one who comes out to me will immerse you in fire and the Holy Spirit. What is the immersion of Yochanan? It's the immersion of Teshuva. So, connecting Teshuva and immersion of moving impurity away from us. So, that's what Teshuva is all about. Moving yourself away from impurity. <clears throat> anyway, it takes water to do that. So, why do we have a water immersion for removal of impurity one of the ways we remove impurity is by the netilat yadiyin that's why we have the hand washing so when you do a full body washing that's a whole another category of that it says can clean hands so thus one who does not have water can clean his hands with any material and pray Later, when he obtains water, he must wash his hands with water to remove the Ruach Ra'ah. And then it says, the requirement to pour three times over each hand applies only to washing upon awakening in the morning. Some authorities, however, also require this after visiting a cemetery or engaging in marital relations. See Mishnah Barura 439. So what I love about that is there's this whole uh, contact with uh, impurity with death. Uh, there's a whole uh, section of study about what happens when the, the man and the woman engage in marital relations and how if they don't conceive uh, that there is a loss of life that happens from the man who emits the seed and the woman uh, gets that with her as well. And uh, they both become impure through that. And so that's uh, likened to death because there was a potential for life that was not met. 
Like the same way when a woman uh, gives birth to a child, she loses that life that was inside of her. Now that life is external from her. So it was as if a death has taken place. And so there's an impurity for seven days that happens initially. Now the impurity from the, the marital relations is only something that happens until the following evening. Because it's not, number one, it's not as drastic as uh, impurity from death and all that. But anyway, there's a lot you can really go into with that. And that's really beyond what I wanted to share. So the main thing I wanted to bring up was that you can just kind of look at these three different categories and see how this is really connected to impurity from death with the whole three hand washes. And why do we immerse three times in the mikvah? Every time we immerse ourselves in a mikvah, we learn from the wisdom of the numbers, the number 30. It talks about purification uh, from death. And so a, a soul, a new life is imbued within us. Our soul is renewed within us through the immersion three times in a mikvah. That's why we do three times on each hand. So it's six times total, but three on each hand, you know, it's paired. So it's as if your left and right hand are washed, left and right hand are washed, left and right hand are washed. That's three. So, uh, so yeah, so anyway, that's the first thing. Let's go back here. It says, performing any of the following activities require one who engages in them to wash his hands with water. One who arises from his bed. One who leaves a lavatory or bathhouse. Each one who merely enters but does not use a bathroom or a bathhouse is affected by an impure spirit and must wash his hands. So some of you may or may not do this or may or may not know this, but every time you go to the bathroom or if you go to a bathhouse or a spa of some sort where you engage in being in a facility of, of uh, water, you know, like that, like a bathhouse or some sort, um, then, you know, there's an impure spirit that attaches itself to you and you're required to wash your hands afterwards. So... It says that anyone who cuts their nails, anyone who cuts their hair, anyone who takes off their shoes, says this is only true if he touches them to remove them. One who removes his shoes without touching them does not have to wash his hands. That's interesting. You know the people who take their shoes off with their feet? Well, if you ever see somebody doing that, now you probably know, oh, they don't want to be impure. It's like, not that that's a big deal or anything, but... If you're looking at uh, beefing up your observance, these are the different layers and levels you can get into. Because this is why halakha is one of the things you have to be very, very careful with how you proceed in them. Because sometimes people just go, oh, I don't want to touch my shoes. Oh, I don't want to cut my nails or cut my hair. I got to go wash my hands. Where the net did I got to eat? And it's just like, calm down there, killer. <laughs> it's not going to be so drastic. First of all, if you didn't know how to do that, shalom, welcome home from school. Chilling in Asuka, making a podcast. You want to say hi? Hello. This is Yaakov Ben Hillel. So I got Yaakov and Yehoshua. What's up? Anyway, I have not. Is he not in the yard? Bruno? Everybody pray for Bruno to come home, y'all. Oh, yeah. He's with laser. 
Oh, he's with laser. Okay, don't pray for Bruno to come home because he's with laser. <laughs> All right, Brickish Thank you. All right, that's my news reporter right there letting us know everything's okay. So anyway, um, yeah, so don't get crazy when you learn halakha. Like, take your time and figure out how to apply this without going over the top. So anyway, uh, taking off your shoes, engaging in marital relations. If you touch a louse, that's interesting. Uh, bekina. Vehanogea uh, bekina. So, kaf nun hey. Let's look that up. Kaf nun hey. I'm down at 13%. What's going on? Kaf nun hey. What we got? Confnoon. Let's do that. Confnoon, hey, what we got? Kana, I need Kina. Confyodanoon, hey, let's look that one up. Making our way through the Targum. Looking for a definition. As you can tell, I like to sing a lot. <laughs> okay. Kina. Goodness. Whoa. That's interesting. Kenima is a vermin or a moth. Yeah, impure creatures. Um, <laughs> Hazira. The wasp, aka my um, kala, mazel shlita, she would probably agree with that. She's like, Yeah, that's impure, don't touch it. Kinor, that's that's close, we're getting there. Come on, work with me. Kina, how do we spell it? Oh, kaf yod noon hey. I was thinking Kaf Noon Hay would be good, but Kaf Yod Noon Hay. If you don't know Hebrew words sometimes, you just got to stop and look them up. Okay. Here we are. It says Nest Cavity Chamber. Uh, vermin. Louse. Uh, lice nits, parasites, entrails. Okay, so filthy impure stuff. If you touch a dead cockroach, dead bird, or dead rat. <laughs> okay, that just got that escalated quickly. Okay, so if you if you if you touch that, obviously you need to wash your hands. I don't know anybody that disagrees with that one. If you do, uh, I'm not going to tell you to get professional help, but you might want to get semi-professional help. Uh, if anyone de-louses a garment, if you take a dead creature off a garment, even if you did not touch a louse, you scratch your head, you touch your body in places that are usually covered. Anyone who leaves a cemetery or attends a funeral or enters into a covered area in which a dead person is found, and one who has undergone bloodletting. Oh, and that's the end of that Simone. It's like, all right, we're done. That's all your hand washing.
Anyway, so uh, yeah, these are activities that must be washed. You, you must wash your hands after doing. And so again, this is the Netilat Yadigin uh, Braka. They must clean your hands. Most activities also cause the impure spirit to rest upon your hands. Therefore, they must be washed without delay to remove it. Yeah. So, you don't have to say the Braka after doing these things, but you do do a hand washing after doing these. So, the alternating right, left, right, left kind of thing. And then, going back to Simone, it says we've learned above that the requirement to wash one's hands upon awakening was enacted as an inauguration to the day's service of Hashem as a Kohen washes his hands prior to his service in the temple. This is the reason offered by Rashba in his Responsa, Volume 1, Section 191. Rosh Pesachim Berakot 923. However, offers a different reason for this requirement. When a person sleeps, his hands move about and inevitably touches parts of his body that are unclean. In his view, the sages enacted the morning Natilat Yadayim to ensure that one would have clean hands for prayer. The Halakha recognizes both the reason of the Rashba and the Rosh. Thus, the blessing of Netilat Yadayim is recited only when both reasons apply. Blessings are not recited in causes of doubtful obligation. So if you're not sure whether you should say the Netilat Yadayim, if there are any other things that you need to do, then you just do the hand washing without the bracha. But again, for Netilat Yadayim upon awakening and for uh, when you're getting ready to eat bread, that's when you say the bracha. Then it says the Sif discusses four situations in which one was required to wash his hands, but for the reasons outlined above, they do not recite the blessings. If you're awakened and you wash your hands while it was still night, as the halakha dictates, and then remained awake until daybreak. So wash your hands, but don't recite the blessing. This is what we did at Chabaot for those who stayed up all night for uh, Torah study. Again, coming up is Hoshana Rabbah. That would be Thursday night into Friday night. When we do Thursday night into Friday, it's meritorious actually to stay up all night until the following day and study the Torah. So, Bezrat Hashem, I plan to be with the Hulk, the incredible Tamid, uh, at that point, and uh, we'll see how late him and I can study. And if I can, I'll try to record it, because I haven't got the drush with the big man in a very long time. But if we can, that'd be cool. And heads up, we have a new Hulk as well. Uh, he is the Amadeus or Amadeus Cho Hulk, brainy, brilliant scientist, engineer type guy. And uh, this is our very own Yermiyahu Barnes, Shlita. Uh, so I hope he'll be dropping some bombs. He likes to dress like the original Hulk, the Incredible Tamid, as far as the purple pants. Because, um, you know, the Incredible Hulk has the purple pants. And he's like, well, I want the purple pants. And I'm like, y'all can fight over pants on your own time. Just want to let you know that your Avenger name, you probably should just run with it. But anyway, 
I love the Avenger thing. Just it's so fun. Jewish versions of every superhero known to man. How many can we make? I don't know. Let's see. <laughs> so uh, yeah. Anyway, that's the whole thing about staying up all night studying Torah. Thursday night to Friday night, if you can, stay up all night, study Torah. Maybe we could Zoom it, or maybe we could put this on podcasts, or maybe we can do some kind of live study group or something. I don't know. We'll see. See what happens. Anyway, Hoshana Rabbah is just like Shabbat. Stay up all night and study Torah as long as you can. Or at least till midnight. Anyway... You can also uh, wash your hands without saying a bracha. If after awakening, washing your hands and you return to sleep a second time while it was still night. So you woke up and it's like, oh, I just woke up. It's 10 o'clock at night. I'm going to stay up for a little bit. It's like, well, do your hand wash and just chill. And then, well, I'm going to go back to sleep now. It's been an hour. I just need to wake up and eat some snacks. So anytime you wake up, it's like, go wash your hands. <laughs> so you wonder why uh, Jews were so clean and so sanitary. It's like, if you're doing Nati La Yada Yim all day, if your hands don't turn into prunes from all this hand washing, at least you're going to remove all germs. <laughs> so it's just kind of like, how many ways do I move about the building that will cause me to wash my hands? <laughs> That's what it seems like. But anyway, like I said, these are different levels that you can add to. If you just feel like, man, what else can I do to go deeper in a shim? It's like, Psh, do you really want to know the answer to that question? Are you really ready to take your shoes off a different way or take your shoes off and wash your hands? Because if you are, <laughs> then we got news for you. That's what halakha is for, by the way. Halakha is to help you increase. And again, stay with your community Go with the ebb and flow of your community because you're going to grow in different parts and different areas. Some some areas are going to take a while. Some areas are going to go quick. Some areas are going to go slow. Some areas are going to be like, are we ever going to change this? And it's like, maybe. That's totally fine. At the end of the day, are you Shomer Mitzvot? Because it's not Shomer Halakot. It's Shomer Mitzvot. Just remember that. Keeping the commandments versus keeping the Halakha. Halakha is to help you. It's the way in which we do the commandments. And again, this is the Kitzur Shulchan Aruch. And what is this? Five volumes? Check my library. Come on, library. Yep, five volumes. Look at that. Like my books? One, two, three, four, five. Those are my books. Anyway, so uh, so yeah, so when you look at that, that's that's not even the whole Shulchan Aruch. And here we are taking, it's been 27 minutes and I'm just talking about hand washing. And as you can see, there are so many different details that apply for hand washing. So anyway, just remember that when you're studying Halakha, don't get all turned up on Mountain Dew. Just drink just simple water and be like, all right, so we could do this or how can I implement this into my life? The other one says, likewise, one who slept during the day for 60 breaths. So it's like, did you breathe 60 times while you were sleeping? Because if you did, um, if you slept during the day for 60 breaths, then you need to wash your hands when you wake up. 
Then it says, which is approximately half an hour. So if you couldn't count while you were sleeping, like me, I don't know how to count my breaths while I'm sleeping. Then, did you sleep for about 30 minutes? Because if you did, wash your hands when you wake up. <laughs> I'm just seeing water bills just go skyrocket. You know, I think it's interesting with the whole pandemic that everybody's like, wash your hands for at least 30 seconds. You know, and it's just like, you really want to go there, you know, because Netila Yadayim Halakar got some minutes for you. <laughs> All right, anyway, says, in all these cases, there is a question whether he must wash his hands or not. Therefore, he should wash his hands in the usual manner of the morning Netila Yadayim, i.e. three times in alternating fashion, as described above. But he should not recite a blessing upon washing. All right. So, in conclusion, there's a lot of things that you could do to increase your observance in Netilat Yadayim, uh, washing your hands ritually. And again, this would play into uh, the Mark 7, you know. So, uh, you know, as far as like they're saying, no, oh, this man's impure, he's eating bread with unwashed hands, he's defiled. Yeshua's like, let me tell you what defiled is. That's astringency. That's in the Shulchan Aruch. You don't read anywhere in the Torah that says, wash your hands before eating bread. But in the Halakha, it's there. But not in the Torah, it's there. And remember, we said it's about Shomer Mitzvot, not Shomer Halakot. So even Yeshua understood that. Yeah, he could learn some Netzilat Yadayim stuff right now, but... If you understand which Talmud they were talking about, the person was a zealot. It was good enough that he was in a meeting with a bunch of other Jews and not killing them for not being zealous for Rome. So Yeshua's like, just take little victories, could we? Could we be rejoicing that the guy is at least sitting down at a table and is saying a blessing before eating his bread? Yes, eventually he'll find out you gotta say then you're silent until you say the blessing for eating bread and then you can talk after that Bruno's back Bruno's back thanks for the update I'm glad he's back is he good awesome so anyway that's just a few things I wanted to share with everybody on hand washing I thought that was really cool let's see what else here oh slow down slow down other activities, procedure of the Netilayati in cases of doubt. Oh, let me read that whole thing about, you know, go to the bathroom before you do Netilayati. It says, it is written, Telling 103. This is in section 7. It says, uh, so Kitzur Shulkanaruk, chapter 2, Simon 2, section 7. It's written, Telling 103, 1. Bless Adonai, all my soul, and let all my innermost being bless his holy name. Since a person must bless Hashem with the participation of all his inner organs, it is forbidden to recite any blessing until he has cleansed his inner organs of excrement and urine. In the morning when one arises, one usually must attend his needs, number one or number two, or at least do number one. Therefore, he should not recite a blessing of Netilat Yadayim at the time he washes his hands until after he has cleansed himself. After relieving himself, 
he should wash his hands a second time and then recite the blessing of Netilat Yadayim. The blessing of Asher Yadzar, which is the who has fashioned man. The blessings over the study of Torah. And the blessings of my God, the soul that you place within me, the Elohai Nashama. So there you go. And then um, what else we got here? Morning, Natila Yadigim. Oh, this is a really cool one from section three. The procedure for morning Natila Yadigim is as follows One takes a utensil filled with water with his right hand, transfers it to his left hand. Then he pours water first on his right hand, takes the utensil filled with water, the wash cup, and uh, filled with water with his right hand, pours it onto his left hand. He does this three times. It is proper to wash the hands until the wrist. However, in a pressing situation, it's sufficient to wash until the knuckles that join the fingers to the palm of the hand. One should also wash his face in the morning in honor of his creator, as it states, Bereshit 9.6, for in the form of God he made man. I love how Halakha is based on scripture. It says he should also rinse out his mouth because of the stale saliva that builds up inside it overnight, since one must utter the great name of Hashem with holiness and purity. Afterward, he should dry his hands. After washing his face, he should take care to dry his face as well. So, wash your hands, your face, rinse out your mouth. It says, leaving one's face wet is not healthy for the skin. See Orach Chaim 420. Did you know Halakha was full of skin care? <laughs> says, um, he should also rinse out his mouth because of the stale saliva. Yep, there we go. We read that. Now, it says in section 4, one must wash his hands in a similar manner that the water falls into a utensil, i.e. a basin, and not onto the floor of the house. So for those of you who have been washing your hands over the floor, stop it. Get some help, or get some halakha. <laughs> it says, in earlier times, it was common to have earth floors. Kind of like this sukkah. This sukkah is an earthen floor, so it's like, oh, it's the ground. I'm just going to pour water out in here. And it's like, no. Put it in a basin. What's wrong with you? <laughs> then it says, uh, and all used water was poured onto the floor. So when you do your hand washing, just because you poured other water on the floor, don't pour hand washing water on the floor. And then it says, um, we learn here that this should not be done with water from the morning net to that yadayim since it carries the harmful impure spirits so remember that whole thing about the spirit transfer so your the spirit leaves your hands and it goes off into the water where have we seen this before remember those pigs that were in that graveyard where that one guy was possessed by those spirits and they were like making him scream out and like punch himself and break stuff and hulk out and smash things so when he was healed the demons came to yeshua and was like have you come to torment us before our time and he's like no and they're like send us into the pigs and they're like great 
he's like, Yeshua said, all right, well, fine, go get the pigs. So they jump into the pigs, and what do the pigs do? They run off a cliff into the water. That's what Netila Yadayim does. It transfers the spirit into the water. So, you don't want that water around while you're saying blessings. This is why one of the things I love to do is pour that water out, discard it. Don't want it anywhere near my table when it's time for beer cot. <laughs> Uh, and the other thing too, if you're praying, you know, discard the water so that your prayers are not intermingled with the, the water basin next to you. Uh, also it says, rather it should be poured into a vessel and then taken out of the house and discarded. When washing in a sink, one can wash in the usual manner since the water drains away. Or you can just pour it down the sink, but don't pour it on the floor. Okay, so just so you know, if you ever see anybody pouring Netila Yadayim water on the floor, say, stop, what are you doing? So, all right, anyway, so it goes on to say that, boom, boom, put your water in a basin, pour it down the sink, pour it outside the house. It is forbidden to benefit from the water used for washing. What is that? Oh, you got it. Oh, wow. I hope his legs don't break. That looks intense. <laughs> so, yeah. 5%. We can do this. Uh, it says it's forbidden to benefit from the water used for washing. I.e., don't feed your animals with this. So, if you have cats or dogs who love to drink your Netilat Yadayim water, don't let them do it. You're going to wonder why they have behavioral issues. That's going to be one of them. It says, don't feed an animal or use this to mop the floor. Just throw it out. It's not usable. Don't do it. it says, for an spirit of impurity rests upon these waters. For this reason, when regarding the water, one should pour it into a place where people do not walk, so that the impure spirit does not harm the passers-by. Goodness. <laughs> All right. It's intense, this water over here. Then it goes on to say, that's the end of that section. Let's do this last section, because this is pretty cool. It says, prior to washing one's hands in section 5, prior to washing one's hands in the morning, one should refrain from touching any orifice of the body. Thus, he should not touch his mouth, nor his nostrils, nor his eyes, his ears, or other parts of his body that are normally covered. Nor should he touch food, nor the puncture wound from bloodletting, because an impure spirit rests on his hands. Before washing them, can cause harm to these things so you ever wonder why people have like all these different ailments and whatnot well if you're not doing that to like yadayim this plays into it not that it's the sole cause don't go around being paranoid and stuff but again this is here for a reason to let us know some things this is why it's just like okay when you got up wash your hands and then section six Proper to be scrupulous when washing the hands in the morning with regard to the laws pertaining the wash cup that is used with regard to the amount and type of water that is used and the water 
should pour onto the hands through human force. So don't just turn the sink on and put your hands under the sink. It's like, no, you actually have to pour the water. It says, similarly, the laws of Netilat Yadayim for a meal. Simon 40. Let's see if we can get there. The obligation of washing one's hands. Criteria for the vessel. Procedure for washing. Immersing the hands. Criteria for water. Clean hands. Human forces. This is an overview. Laws of Netilat Yadayim have their origins in the purity and impurity, ritual impurity and purity, that were once an integral part of the daily lives of the Jewish people in earlier times when the temple stood. So one of the ways for us to keep in touch with the temple is through these laws of purity and impurity through the Netilat Yadayim. So that when temple service starts back up, and it will, we're already on track. We're like, yeah, ready to walk into the temple. It's like, hold on, just purify yourself. What do you mean that I purify myself? I got, I got Yeshua. It's like, yeah, and Yeshua would say, wash your hands before going into the temple, because that's what he did. But anyway, says to avoid possible pitfalls associated with eating food with impure hands, the sages instituted the obligation to purify the hands by washing them in the prescribed manner before eating bread as well as before eating any food that was commonly dipped in liquid. Although most applications of these halakot of Tumah impurity are no longer applicable today, we are enjoined to adhere to these procedures so that we will be accustomed to these practices. Loophole! It's like, yeah, you probably want to wash your hands before eating bread or anything that's dipped in a liquid. So if you like dipping your chicken nuggets in different sauces or if you like dipping your fish sticks or whatever else you dip, french fries and ketchup, uh, yeah, you should wash your hands. But it's like, well, you don't have to, but it's good to. There we go. Mark 7. We just learned from the Halakha. Yeah, you want to avoid pitfalls and all that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, it's not really practiced. So, you might find people who do this, and that's totally fine. <laughs> so, the thing is, you know, just think about that when you're observing halakha. Because sometimes people get all hyped up on stuff that's not really practiced uh, popularly or uh, even in today. You know, and it's like, well, I want to be old school. It's like, okay, well, you can be old school, that's fine. But don't try to force everybody to be at that level. And this is where the Rambat Shlita Isha Pela comes in. Uh, she, she she talks about in the Musar class from the Ram call that you know you can build your fence as high as you want to, but you don't make other people's fences as high as you want to. We all are gonna make fences for Torah because when we learn about it, when we grow deeper in our relationship with the Shem, and we're actually doing it for the right reasons and not just because of our selfish ambitions. Uh, we're going to start looking for ways. How can we safeguard ourselves against sin? Like, we're going to start doing that because Hashem is going to lead us to do that. So, you can build your fence as high as you want to. But just because your fence is high and somebody else's fence is low, number one, that doesn't mean that they're not observing halakha. That doesn't mean that they're uh, not doing a good job and they're a C minus or a D minus and all that. That's between them and Hashem. And again, Whatever your community is doing, 
you need to maintain unity with that. You can do as much as you want to when you're on your own, but don't try to force your community to do this, what you're doing. That is what's called self-centered. <sighs> Breathe that in. That's what's called self-centered. If you have this high level of study and stringency that you want everybody else to meet, stop it. It's not helpful. It's actually not even kosher. Okay, because you're impeding on someone else's relationship. We talked about this at the Torah study last night that uh, it's called controlling somebody's relationship. And somebody said mother-in-law. And I was like, wow, we really just went there. But anyway, uh, yeah, you don't get to control somebody's relationship with the Shem. First of all, do you know how much it took for them to to get a Humash or to learn a Torah portion to learn any of the letters to be observant of any sort of way so you do what you do and walk with your community in step and if they're advanced in observance you catch up and if they're not advanced in observance then you look around and you help help wherever people are helping is way more important by the way because sometimes people are just they don't want to ask questions and they don't feel comfortable asking questions and it's upon you to help your community be comfortable with each other because you're a part of that community. And if people aren't comfortable with each other and they're in the same community, then we as a community are failing. Because if there's going to be any place that people could be able to ask questions and get answers, it should be within their community. You shouldn't have to go to uh, Rabbi YouTube or Rabbi Google or Rabbi WhatsApp you know, you should be able to ask people in your community, hey, I had a question about this. Do you know? Or is there anybody in, our, in my community that knows? You should be comfortable enough to do that. And you're not going to be comfortable if you don't know each other, if you're not spending time with each other, if you're not being nice to each other. You know, because as you learn more about people, as you engage more with people, it's going to open up those channels organically. It's like, okay, so, so yeah, so I feel so comfortable with you. I got to ask you a question. Because I haven't even been doing Shakarit. And I know everybody's around here like turned up on Shakarit. And you're like, you haven't been doing Shakarit? You know, you want to slap them. But it's like, no, I'm not going to slap you because I love you. And I didn't know about, I didn't know anything about you. I don't know anything about your life. I didn't even know, you didn't know how to do Shakarit. I just thought everybody just showed up like this. <clears throat> but anyway, so that's the, that's the thing of a community. It needs to be that in, integral with uh who we are so uh, i want to keep reading this here it says although most applications of the halakot of impurity are no longer applicable today we're enjoined to adhere to these procedures so that we will be accustomed to these practices when the laws of impurity will again become applicable when the re went with the rebuilding of the temple so halakha understands stay ready so you don't have to get ready because when the temple's here, this, that's not the time to run around and go, okay, so when can I not touch the temple? Or when can I not sit down in a chair? And when can I uh, go to the mikvah when I need to not? Or do this or don't eat that? Don't touch this, touch that, you know. Work on it now. <laughs> so, one who wishes to eat bread upon which the appropriate blessing is hamotzi. Not all bread is hamotzi, did you know? There are some gluten-free breads that are actually not uh, baked into a loaf. You know, um, bagels are one of them, or 
you know, some bagels you actually get that are made out of wheat and stuff like that, but you don't say hamotzi over them because they're not a loaf of bread. So it says, um, you must first wash your hands. If the bread that he will be eating is at least as large as a volume of an egg, he must recite the blessing upon the washing. If it's smaller than the size, he must still wash, but he does not recite the blessing upon washing. So if you're eating just a little chunk, it's like, let me go do a hand wash real quick. You don't have to say hi, Mozi. <clears throat> so, I mean, there's so much more here, but, I mean, this has been 48 minutes of stuff. I still got 2%. Let's do this next section. It says, in the following, Sefim, the Kitzer sets uh, out the optimal way of performing Netilat Yadayim. With regard to the appropriate vessel, which is the amount of water and procedure to be followed, Kitzer does not address the many halakot that apply to one who cannot follow these procedures due to a lack of water, appropriate vessel, or any other reason. These halakot are addressed at length in the Orach Chaim 158 through 165. Good night. That's almost 10 sections worth of stuff. And the Mishnah Barur. Netilat Yadigim must be performed specifically by pouring water from a vessel. So if you don't have your wash cup, you know, you can use a cup or a bowl of some sort. You need a vessel to contain that water. You don't have to pour it physically from your hand. The vessel must be whole. It can't have a hole or a crack in it that completely penetrates the wall of the vessel. It says also the surface at the top of the vessel must be even without any crevice or protrusion. Consequently, regarding those jars that have a spout on one side protruding above the upper lip of the vessel th through which water is poured, one should not wash his hands using the spout. Because there, at the level of the spout itself, it does not have the halakhic status of a vessel. Since the vessel cannot hold liquids there it, uh, at the level of the spout, rather one must wash by pouring the water over the lip of the vessel. So, I'm thinking of those little um, olive pourer dish type things, like little glass jars that have a little spigot on them. It's like, open it up from the top so that you can pour out from the top so then it says um, you gotta pour over the lip of the vessel on the other lower side which is a place on the vessel that can hold liquid so this is why the wash cup is got the form of the way it is where it's pouring over the lip and not a little spout that comes out of it so that's very interesting. So you can't use uh, that thing that people use, the planters, to water their plants. That's not appropriate for washing your hands. The open top of the planter where you dump water in there, you can use that part. So anyway, have to have a big lip to pour water over. So yeah, down to 1% and uh, that's a lot for hand washing. But uh, yeah, just really cool to know the only time you really say the bracha is before eating big pieces of bread and when you wake up uh, for the first time uh, in the morning. 
So hopefully that was a good concise amount of halaka on hand washing. And we're live in the sukkah on Hag Sukkot. So Baruch Hashem.